So thank you for that, right? And I assume that's where you were going when you said it, and you were very generous and kind about the way you said it. So I'm gonna step through the door just a little bit ahead of you and say this, right? I experienced an incredible amount of anxiety when I knew that my I was happy as all to be damned that I was going to have a child and leave a legacy in this world. But I was as I, I experienced an incredible amount of anxiety about the fact that I am supposed to be a provider. I am supposed to provide this thing and this boy's life is in my hands. I am responsible for this life. Uh, and, and I could understand how that anxiety could, you know, freeze up somebody, turn them into depression, whatever it else. It can paralyze you, literally. Paralyze you. It could, right? But as men, we don't get to say that. No. We don't get to go sit down and take a seat and be like, oh, I need a minute. No, motherfucker. Get up and go to fucking work. Single dad, why you mad? 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 We are recording because we always like to record the chatter in the beginning before we actually get to it. Maya, good morning from yes. LA. Is it LA or where? I'm in Los Angeles and it's officially afternoon now. Um, we are connecting from New York and Connecticut. Technology is a son of a gun, isn't it? Yeah. Amazing stuff. So, um, like we normally do, welcome officially to season two of Single Dad, Why You Bad. Congratulations, you guys just had an anniversary. So, yes. But not just that, let me tell you. But somehow, some way, we are doing something right. Because we went on our one year anniversary, it started right about then, from an average of 1,000 listeners to an average of 4,000 listeners. Wow. I don't know what happened. Uh, I appeared on one of our uh, sister podcasters, uh, one of our what does she do, Clark? Uh, she does her, her single mom's chat. Single mom's chat on a Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I say a little too much, or I may say something that might rattle a couple of cages. I don't know. We shot up right after that. Um, let's take care of some, let's do some housekeeping first and then we'll get into it. So, um, hi everybody, this is Single Dad, Why You Mad? My name is David and my co-host is? Yeah, I'm Clark. Okay. And we used to, last year, do a bunch of preliminaries telling, you know, the definition of what we believe a single dad is. And I think it's okay, Clark, to do that for this first, sorry, this is not the first because there are other episodes that are going to air before this, but for the first couple of episodes for season two. So, so, if, everybody, so, so if anybody is still with us after listening to the premiere episode of season two, there you go. then we might as well go back into it is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, if, they, if they're willing to ride it out that long. We'll, we'll reintroduce you to some of the preliminaries we used to do. So for our purposes, a single dad is a father who is actively involved in the stewardship and the raising of his children. Meaning, you don't just throw money at your kid's mom and say, hey, I'm a single dad. You don't just visit your kids or hang out with your kids on the optional one weekend every other month. You are actively involved in spending time with raising these kids and developing them into functional adults. You are actively involved in determining the kind of person that they will be in this world. And um, you can be actively involved in that, or even if you're unactively involved in that, you can still play some role in the type of person that they're going to be. But um, Clark, what is your current parenting situation? My current parenting situation is 
I'm divorced, have split custody with my ex-wife who was a guest last season. We generally break things up where I'll have them four days a week. She'll have them three, but we have a lot of flexibility in our scheduling. So during the pandemic and during the summer, what we've been doing is we're taking them a full week each and then splitting over. Maybe it'll spill over for an extra couple of days on either end. But we get along well enough most days where we can have conversations about that kind of thing. And how about you, David? Uh, for me, uh, my boy is with me. I only have one, unlike Clark, who has three. I had my first at the age of 50. My boy is with me on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays overnight. So she, um, he's with his mother Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays all day overnight. And then we alternate Mondays, except when a Monday falls on a legal holiday. And she has him on those days also. Um, and uh, normally, we had flexibility also. But um, lately, we have not. And let me be honest and say, I have not been flexible. So with that said, you know who we are. We're doing just the best we can to parent and to co-parent. So today we have a guest. Um, we have a guest all the way from LA. And this guest all the way from LA has been doing some important work out there. So it has been difficult for us to get her for some time. But we got her now. And Clark, why don't you do an introduction, Dean? You were the one who first took notice. You know, I, I want to stick to the script on this one. I want our guest to do what we traditionally allow our guests to do and tell our listeners as much as she would like them to know about her. Okay, awesome. My name is Maya. I have a Instagram page called There Was Her Only. Um, the goal for There Was Her Only is to bring awareness of mental health for mothers, their single parents, as well as provide resources and outreach in the community. Um, I'm 100% a single parent. Um, my son's father is not in the picture. And I discovered that I was severely depressed around the time frame that he was about four. I had overcome a lot of hurdles and financially I was secure and he was thriving and I was left very depleted which caused me to take accountability for my mental health and figure out a way to be a platform to help other single mothers in the process. So um, normally our founding question um, is how the fuck did I get here? So I didn't start out thinking that I was gonna be sharing custody, living around the corner from my son's mother, sharing custody where he's with me Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, with our Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're alternating Mondays, right? That's not how I planned my life. If I thought about my life, you know, my parents grew up together. I mean, you know, I grew up in a household where my parents, until death, they did part, you know, 40-something years, whatever it was, right? My brother just passed away, but yeah, him and his wife, 30-something years, actually together 40-something years. All of the families in the neighborhood that grew up, they were married for forever, you know, there was a mom and dad in the house, you know, and I grew up in a housing project in the deep South Bronx, right? Um, mm -hmm. They were married, you know, for forever. Not only, you know, had their own kids, but adopted kids. And it was all these sort of, you know, even if everybody, like every now and then you knew somebody was fighting over in this house and fighting over in that house. But for all in all, these people were together and they were raising kids and we had barbecues. And that's what I thought about for my life, you know. Right. Um, and I didn't know, you know, that my life would end up here. I didn't, but then we talk about how we got here, right? So do you want to expand a little bit on like, how you got here like you know did you think 
that you were going to be a single mom, or did you think, okay, your eyes are wide? <laughs> I didn't even think I was going to be a mom. That was never. You didn't think you when were I was be younger, a mom? of course. Um, I mean, from childhood, we're trained at five years old to hold a baby doll. That's that's yes. that's the reality right. of it. Yes. So as a younger person maneuvering through life, I always thought about the family and kids. But as I became a young adult, um, I just thought it wasn't good for me and that that's not something I would do. And it really had a lot to do with how I was raised. So my mother was a single mother and because she worked so much, she wasn't really in the house. So I had a lot of, I was like a community kid. A lot of people participated in my upbringing. And um, I just had a, just a broken track record when it came to my, my background. So because of that, I just had this idea that maybe I wouldn't be a good mom or be the right fit for something like that. So I never ever thought, and I even kind of cut off that idea or desire to be a mom. Fast forward to my son's father. We had a great friendship. We had dated previously. We reconnected and I had my son and the journey with that, I never would have thought that, um, like we don't even co-parent. I'm a hundred full flesh, a single parent. Um, there was a lot of disappointment at first, but I think what led me to to that path and to that journey was I really didn't have a sense of worth. Like one of the things I really focus on and I try to to teach and physically show my son is you matter. So when he's shy or when he's scared to do something, it's like, no, you have a great idea. That's your idea. That's a part of loving yourself. Are you having a bad day? Okay, how can we fix that? That's a part of loving and nurturing yourself. And you always hear it, and it's very cliche, you can't love other people unless you love yourself. So looking back on my journey, I feel that I didn't have a clear understanding of what love was and how to love myself. So I made maybe not the wisest decisions when it came to matters of the heart because I didn't have the capacity myself. So that's how I ended up in that situation. But I promise you, that was never my plan because I lived in it. And if anything, I was going to be the person that was going to break the curse of that whole thing altogether. And the truth is, I ended up in that situation, but I'm grateful for it. My son has been my, in a sense, he's almost helped me to re-raise myself, if that makes sense. It's my job to raise him, but by having him and having that type of love, I now became responsible for another being. And if I want him to make better decisions and have a whole different path than the one that I aim for, I have to create an environment and I have to take accountability for my life. So looking back, how I viewed myself at that time. My decision thinking, again, with matters of the heart were not on a clear path. And it had to do with how I felt about myself, what I thought, what I was attracting, and that's how I ended up here. But I'm grateful for the journey. You said about four things that I just thought were amazing. Sense of worth. When you say you didn't have a sense of worth, are you trying to say that that would lead somebody to select, and I already know the answer, I just really, or I think I know the answer, but I'm just talking about it out loud. 
are you saying that that would lead somebody, or let's just talk about ourselves, right? Lead somebody to get into a relationship and or stay in a relationship that is not healthy for them? Oh, most definitely. Well, I'm going to speak for self. I'm not yeah, going to speak yeah, for everybody, yeah, but let's I'm go, sure I'm not the only person out there. Yes, um, but it's just like when you go to the store and you don't have a grocery list, if you're trying to save money and if you're trying to do things and you go into the grocery store and you have your list together, you're not going to go past your budget. You're not going to go past your expectations. But when you go into a store and you have no idea what it is that you want, you just know that you're hungry and you just start Oh, well, that looks good. Oh, that's on sale. And you just put it in your basket. And then when you go to the register, all of a sudden you're surprised. So you go and I'm talking about us now, right? The idea that we can go into a relationship and have no idea what we want. But you said you talked about um, and I'm saying the same thing for myself, right? I talked about, you know, the mom and dad that I grew up with. And that's what I wanted. You talked about, you know, the, the mom you grew up with it and maybe and I'm, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth and maybe that's not what you wanted so don't we I mean and I'm asking I'm talking out loud don't we aren't we actually coming coming out with some kind of list it might not be a really good list it might not be a detailed list but aren't we coming out with some kind of list so my dad he was around but he wasn't around I can tell you about how many times I've actually had meetings and sit down conversations with him. So he was around in the sense that I knew him and if I really was brave enough to call, I could, okay? As an adult, we still, we're still ironing out things. Yeah. I've, I've gotten to a point where my expectations may be a false expectation and I'm almost 40. So I've kind of raised myself and I'm raising someone else, but I want to get to a place where I can understand that everyone just loves differently. Growing up in that type of environment and having a stepdad that was interesting in dealing with different traumas and different things that went on in my household. When I came out as an adult, it was like freedom, but I wasn't given the tools growing up to make the proper decisions and the proper choices for myself. How old were you when you left home? Um, originally when I left home, I left home about 16 years old. I stayed with my dad for a year and then I moved back to Los Angeles. He resides in Oakland and I moved back to Los Angeles and everybody was kicking it at my apartment at 18. I was writing my own permission slips to get off the campus and I was grown. I had a job. School was almost over with and I was living life. And I thought that I knew everything because I knew that what was at home wasn't working for me. So here's my break free moment. And I'm and like how you mentioned, even though we said there isn't a clear list, you still form some type of list. So I had a list of I'm not going to be these things. I'm not going to be the things that I saw my mom be growing up. I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm just going to have a really successful career and because I don't understand what went on in my household growing up, I'm going to make sure that I'm just going to be successful and I'm not going to be a single mom. I mean, at one point in time, I really thought bad of single moms. I believed in all the stereotypes of a single mom. I'm not going to get a divorce. I'm not going to get all these different things that are like considered stereotypes. I'm going to be the change. And, um, Again, when I look back on a lot of relationships, 
It was really trying to seek some type of validation, really trying to seek something that felt like home, if that makes sense. So the person I am now, six years ago, I wouldn't be a single mom. Um, that environment that I was in would not have been the best environment for me to play out my life. However, I don't think that I would be the woman that I am now if I wasn't a single mom. So um, I want to do something now, right? Because I think you said something that was very interesting and that I think we all let get away from us often. And uh, on some future episodes, I'm getting ready to bring it back home, right? Okay. Um, let's talk about the stereotypes of single moms, right? So Clark, give us a stereotype of a single mom. Uh, stereotypical single mom. They have great snacks. <laughs> we do, though. That's not a stereotype. <laughs> All stereotypes are based in truth. <laughs> Clark gonna play it safe. He gonna let somebody else go. Those are facts. Yeah. Oh, oh, you, you notice how I took a sip too while yeah. I was. Clark gonna play it safe. He goes, he's kind of, he's kind of scared. It's okay. Yeah. Clark, come on. A stereotype of a, a stereotype of a single mom. A stereotype of a single mom is that she has done something to choose that situation. So she has some behavioral thing that led her to that situation. As an example, give us one. Uh, she's volatile as fuck. When you say volatile, oh. Yeah. I we, we went from fruit snacks to that real fast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So volatile meaning what? Like she, she goes off, she's a... Uh, yeah, she's a loose cannon. So, she, loose so cannon. She, okay. she, she chose to be in that situation because of her behavior. Yeah. So if I was going to give a stereotype of a single mom, if somebody asked me from when from from me growing up, not that I believe this now, but from me growing up, um, uh, they're usually on public assistance. Maya, why don't you give us a stereotype of a single mom? Um, child support, just in it for the money. Woo! <laughs> You struck a nerve with me, boy. Yo, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know if we posted video of this, but if you could see David's face. Oh, is he okay? Yo, I, I think he's mortally wounded right now. You struck a nerve with Ooh. me. Oh, have a sip. Have a sip of oh, coffee. No. Have a sip of something. Hold on. She, she, yo. Elmo. Elmo. Okay. To quote her, not on La Raña, child support. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wow. <laughs> um, let's do... Uh, stereotypes of single dads. Uh, why don't you go first this time? Well, I think with doing, there was her, it was brought to my attention that there are a lot of single dads. So my ideas at one point of a single mother was so different than a single dad. Single dad was, maybe he's a widow. Maybe he's a single dad because things didn't work out in his marriage. It was never something that um, I looked at as um, he's a single father because he made a, a negative or um, made some type of life choice that was possibly incorrect. Clark, so type of a single dad. So it's interesting because when she said widows, it was like, oh, a single dad who actually has custody of his kids and like actively raising his kids. You um, did the same thing I did. Right. You did the same thing I did. That's exactly what I did. Go, Clark. Yeah. So, in my mind, like, 
prior to being a divorced dad and actively, you know, taking a hand and raising my kids and, or even growing up, if somebody said like a single dad, it was the idea of the single dad that you saw on TV or the single dad you saw from experience where it was like, oh, he's not in the household. He's not necessarily actively involved in raising a kid. He's claiming oh, I'm a single dad, but you're not actually doing daddy shit. That, mm. that was my mind and my stereotype of it. Uh, that was initially mine also. Um, when I thought single dad, the first thing that popped into my mind was absentee father. And see, it could be my background and I have friends that are single dads. So it could just be the fact that I've had access to examples of seeing men that have full custody of their kids because maybe they didn't pick a responsible partner or they had circumstances where now they're widows. So that could be why I had that idea. But when I have thought of a single dad, I've never thought of a father who is not taking responsibility. Normally a single mom, and a lot of people use that definition as a single mom. I, I probably looked at being a single mom more negative than I've looked at it as a dad being a single dad. I've always thought, I've never in my experience um, have heard a man who doesn't take accountability for his children refer to himself as a single dad. But the problem, so, but the problem here right now, though, is that I'm one of those dudes, and I still thought that was the first thing that popped into my mind. Same. Why is that the first thing that's popping into my mind? And I'm one of those dudes, and we have a fucking podcast that is dedicated to this shit. Because I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's interesting, right? And and shame on us. Sh sh absolutely shame on us. But perception breeds reality, right? So you think about that thing one more goddamn time this year, <laughs> I, I, dude. It comes up in every conversation, every conversation I have with anybody about any subject. Perception breeds reality. The shit that you were shown and the lens that you look at the world through is what you believe until you're shown otherwise. I've been shown otherwise. I'm doing otherwise. Right, but 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 that but that doesn't necessarily mean that you believe that stereotype still because you've been shown otherwise. You don't believe that every father is a deadbeat, or we wouldn't be doing this damn show. This wouldn't have come into existence if we didn't believe there was other. So I, my I, point I, is, why is that the first thing that comes to my mind? And I have a theory behind this, right? Because that's what we're programmed to believe. We have been taught this for, so I'm 54 now. I became, you know, uh, a dad, you know, at 50, right? Um, but everything I've taught, heard about, you know, single dads, because I grew up in a neighborhood where there were two parents in the household. I didn't know about single households until I went to junior high school, right? A friend of mine, who's still my friend today, you know, said he didn't live with his dad, he only lived with his mom. I was like, what, where's your dad? I, I, I just didn't understand, right? Um, but uh, because I only saw either two parents in the household or if there wasn't a parent, in, if there was only one parent in the household when I got to, you know, uh, middle school, it was always the mom. I had no idea of single, so I either think parent in the household or nothing, right? Until I got to where I am right now, right? So there was no like middle ground sort of in the middle of me. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I had 48 years of learning that single dads are negative when, and, and is it gonna take another 48 years? 48 times two is what? 96? 96, I'll be 96 years old before I unlearn this. So well, the irony 
of this whole situation is my son's father, like I mentioned before, we had a friendship prior to my son and we dated briefly when I was younger. He was the prime example of a single dad to me. Like one of the things that I loved about him was how he was raising his children on his own. He had the whole story that the relationship didn't work out. He wanted full custody of his kids. He got full custody of his two boys. And I saw him make sure that they were well taken care of. So fast forward to 10 years later, when I inform him, okay, you're going to be a dad again. I was stunned of his response. He was one of the people that taught me what a, a great single father looked like because I saw him cooking and baking. I saw him going to work. I saw him doing the projects. I saw him making Christmas happen. So I never had a negative idea of a single dad. I knew that there were absentee fathers. I knew that there were people that just didn't care. Um, but again, and I knew from my own experiences with my dad, but I thought that I had pick somebody because I saw their track record that would be okay. If I'm going to move forward with this situation it would be a great dad. So it's just, it's just, it's weird. But at the same time, I think one of the reasons why I reached out to Clark is I have noticed that um, there is this disconnect and it's not just so much in the community altogether, but it's within our own race where a lot of men are not given enough credit. So if we treat single mothers this way, there's all these programs right now, right? There's a lot of programs that will help. And, and I know this because I, I research resources so that I can help other women, right? But you don't really see too many single dad grants. You don't see too many visible images of black men within the community where you're dealing with mental health in a loving capacity. I'm able to have postpartum depression and be a poster child for that and be okay with that. If a man is showing any type of emotion, then he's too soft or fragile um, there's this expectation or this false narrative that men are supposed to be the providers, but what do you get out of just being the provider? So there's a breakdown and even there's this idea that, you know, I have to catch myself because when I first started listening to some of your podcasts, I kept going, wow, this is good. This is great for single dads. There's still this idea somewhere where it's like, no, I'm just a dad. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to take care of my kid. So there's always like this additional praise when you do come across a man who may be doing things that seem maternal. I think, David, you shared with me why you came up with the whole podcast and the whole concept that somebody was just shocked to see you being in a nurturing state with your child. In the movie rap. Yeah. So I don't know. There's just, there's there's this disconnect and I have my own shoes to fill in my own journey to walk through life. But I think right now, the way things are going, there has to be some type of empathy on both sides. 
We're all a part of this system. We're all trying to raise amazing, productive children. And we can't have that if we're not showing that type of love and appreciation for both ends. I feel like Black fathers are very underappreciated. For instance, Father's Day. For the last five years, it has driven me crazy when people wish me a happy Father's Day. I'm not a father. I'm just a mom that just is really determined to get it done. So Mother's Day is important to me, but I see a lot of mothers, and I'm not knocking people that do it, um, but I see a lot of mothers that are have an expectation of receiving gifts on Father's Day too. And again, to me, that takes away- It emasculates the fathers. Correct. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about gender roles for a second because you touched on it. I'm not even sure you intentionally touched on it. The father is meant to be the provider. The mother is meant to be the nurturer. If the father is not a provider, there are severe consequences for that. Yeah. But do you believe the consequences are the same in instances where the mother is not a nurturer? No, it's completely separate. I know that if I'm not able to provide, I can go and get on welfare and I can go and start a GoFundMe and possibly raise something. There is a whole sympathy factor. I see women who may actually be in a horrible situation. And because it's a woman on the corner, it's more approachable to help and assist them. But if you see a man on the corner, the idea and the concept is get a job. Why aren't you doing something with your life? And that's the same stigma for work. If you're the provider of the household, then you're the provider. Go out there and do something. Um, I lost my job this year and the sympathy that I got from everybody was, okay, well, what are you going to do next? Here, let me do this. Like I had an outpouring of support and I still do, but in my household, I'm, I don't have a backup. I'm the provider. And I think when COVID hit, it was one of those things where it was the first time that I really realized that I was, I mean, you just, when you're a single mom, you're just doing stuff. Meaning every day you're, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do this. I'm going to plan for this event. But it was the first time that I was very emotional about even going to work because you have this thing that nobody knows about is this huge plague. Where is my son going to stay? And I just want to make sure that I don't, I'm not infected. I don't get him infected, but I have to provide. And that was probably the first time in the last five years. I was like, oh God, I wish I had a husband as if that was going to, he could go out there and he could go and, and get the money. And, but it was, you know, even in my, my false narrative and imaginary husband phase, it was like, he should be going out there. I want to stay home. I want to be safe with my child. So during that time, the first months of COVID, going out there, working, social distancing from my child, which was the hardest thing. I'm a like a doomsday preparer. So I've been prepared for everything. I just wasn't prepared to not be with my child when something like this happened. Um, so to go from that to actually now I don't have a job and trying to navigate and create vehicles and streams of income. It's, it's different, but I, like I, again, I still have the, 
wow, you're a single mom, you're doing this, you're doing that. Congratulations. Whereas a man and other men that I do know that might be in the same situation as me, it's, well, why aren't you doing Lyft? Well, you didn't apply to the grocery store? Well, it's just completely different. It's it's completely different. It it, it absolutely is. Like I I remember a situation about a year ago and I I was working with a local nonprofit group and there was a young man who came in and he had moved to Connecticut from another state. And, you know, the, the mother of his kids was in, you know, a dire situation. She, you know, had a bunch of stuff going on in her life and they had to separate from her. He came up here with the kids and he didn't have any resources. You know, it was just like, I need to come to a new location where there's a better school system, opportunity for a better life for my kids. And he started looking like for support systems as he was looking for a job and looking for job placements and so forth. And there were programs that would look at him and go, yeah, like we have resources for women, but because you're a dad, we can't do anything for you. We can't help mm-hmm. you out. And then even like when he, you know, located a job for himself, he was looking at like home buyers programs. And a lot of the home buyers programs and home readiness programs were geared towards women. Mm-hmm. So it, like the one of the community organizations that I work with, they had an overall program and they took him in and they helped him and they provided him with resources and provided him with job training and like suits and so forth to go out on interviews and to be able to provide for his kids. So a year later, he's in an amazing situation. But it just goes to show that when you are a man in dire straits, the idea is you figure it the fuck out. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at, um, and we had a guest on a week, who talked about like domestic violence and the idea of having her on, she works with men who have been victims of domestic violence situations. Um, and we got to get her back on to talk about that part of her experience. But look at, look at the idea of shelters and resources for men who are victims of domestic violence. You know, a man gets smacked by a woman. It's funny. A man gets hit, hit by a woman. It's funny. You know, a man lives that experience. There's no resource for him to get help. I think there's like one men's shelter and it's in Colorado. There may be more now, but as of my last look, you know, a couple of months ago, there was only one men's shelter. So, back by another man too. Let's not leave that out of it. Right, right. You know, so the the idea being, you know, to David's point on gender roles, it's it's completely different lived experience for men and women as, as single parents and as single parents who are stuck and looking for additional resources. Um, what do you say to the women and or people who say, yeah, we acknowledge that it's like that for men, but men make more money and have more access in the first place. No, that's a very good point because I've worked in fields where I did double the work and I was still overlooked. Okay, so that's a valid point. But right now we're in a, I don't even know if it's a a renaissance or change in culture. There's again, goes back to, if you want something different, you have to do something different. I think that there's a lot of relationships that fail because there's a false expectation or a false narrative of what the man is supposed to do in the household. If we're going to take care of 
the financial aspects that we have to try to create more wealth. We have to be able to have great communication and great dialogue with people who are in powerful positions that make those decisions. So just because most men are in certain fields that allow them to make more money, I shouldn't look at you if you're not able to be one of those men that finds a job where you make more money than me to just be that. Get up, go to work, and suck it up. With with trying to find a balance, the only reason why I even push myself to assess my expectations from men is because I'm raising a son. When he has a meltdown or if he's having a bad day, I'm always faced with, I'm not a man, but I know that there has to be some type of structure. My natural instinct every time he falls down is, oh, it's okay, come here. Let mommy fix it, you're fine. Okay, let me go get your band-aid. Which one do you want? I have 30 different characters. That's my natural instinct. And a lot of times, especially now that he's older, I find myself, okay, you got it though. And I question myself, like, why am I doing that? And I'm doing that because now he's transitioning from a baby and a toddler to a kid now. And a couple times I realized, and this might sound bad, I was almost annoyed when he fell down because his reaction was to cry. And I caught myself because I said to him, you're a big boy, shake it off, you're fine. But if he's actually hurting and he's and, and it hurt and it was painful, why would I tell him he's a big boy, get up, you're fine. So there has to be a balance with anything. However, I think we're teaching kids at a very young age, especially young boys and men, how to hide and mask their feelings. If my niece were to fall down, I don't think I would have even told her, oh, you're fine, get up. So I had to catch myself like, why am I telling him it, you fell down, it's okay, get up. We actually even talked about it. We do a lot of talking in my household with a five-year-old, believe it or not. And so I apologized to him and I said, you know, I'm sorry that I did that. Because what what caught me from what I said was his whole demeanor changed. I don't want him to be a person that can't express himself. I don't want him to be a person where someone looks at him and he's hurting and he cannot seek the resources that he needs um, to take care of himself. So I apologized to him and I explained to him, you know, Mommy, sorry. I didn't mean to just kind of push it to the side like that. Let me ask you a question. Um, and I'm jumping back to this because I know I'm going to forget about it. You said uh -huh. women are allowed postpartum. Tell me what you mean when you say women are allowed postpartum. Women are allowed to be depressed after pregnancy or to have, you know, emotions related to having birth because it's physically attached to them. Is there an equivalency for men? That's a great question. And you're trying to get me in a lot of trouble with that one. I'm bringing myself there too. I'm, I'm, I'm going mm -hmm. into that. I'm walking through that door with you. So, so we're together. On so we're just going to talk about the realities of being a single parent. Um, you guys both explain that you guys co-parent to some degree, but I'm sure when your children are 100% in your household, they're 100% in your household. Clark has mentioned that he has several projects and things that he's doing and you guys have to find time, whether you get the sleep 
that a normal person is supposed to get or the average amount of sleep, you have to find the time and the resources. There may be things that you guys decide that you have to put off. Now, postpartum, I experienced that because I naturally had hormones and I had things that were going on once I had my son. But the reality is juggling being an adult, being a provider, and actually nurturing, nurturing and taking care of a child, those are very delicate and complicate, complicated situations. And there should still be a level of understanding and patience and space if you're not your best. And I think with fathers, we don't expect you to even have emotions. We don't expect you to express that. So when I brought up postpartum, I really was just trying to tie into the fact that we're able to gain some type of sympathy. We're able to gain some resources. But what happens to a father if he's having similar challenges? If he's, I'm, I'm not working right now. I have to be the provider. I have to go out there and do the same things that, you have to do, like you guys mentioned, the different programs, for instance. And Clark said because of the program that he's a part of, he was able to have one person, have that person actually join that program. But what would have happened and what went through that person's mind that whole year where he was trying to find resources and housing, I don't think that our society takes in consideration the fact that you're black and society perceives you differently there's a fear factor in most cases when you go out there in the world you're raising a human being you're providing for that human being and you face the same challenges that i may face just a different path and oftentimes when men are talking or trying to express their feelings or their emotions there's never a safe place or a vehicle or outlet that appears to be available currently for you guys to do that. Um, postpartum is something that's very serious. There are mothers that are affected by it. They don't even recognize it and they don't understand it. There are mothers that have actually caused harm to their loved ones and their family members because of it. So I would never um, try to take away from that. But uh, oftentimes when women do have an issue or a problem, there's a platform or a safe place where we're welcome. There's nothing that I have seen where it's established that men also have that safe place. So thank you for that, right? And I assume that's where you were going when you said it, and you were very generous and kind about the way you said it. So I'm going to step through the door just a little bit ahead of you and say this, right? I experienced an incredible amount of anxiety when I knew that my I was happy as all to be damned that I was going to have a child and leave a legacy in this world. But I was as I, I experienced an incredible amount of anxiety about the fact that I am supposed to be a provider. I am supposed to provide this thing. And this boy's life is in my hands. I am responsible for this life. Uh, and and I could understand how that anxiety could, you know, freeze up somebody, turn them into depression. Whatever it else. It can paralyze you, literally. Paralyze you. It could. 
right? But as men, we don't get to say that. No. We don't get to go sit down and take a seat and be like, oh, I need a minute. No, motherfucker. Get up and go to fucking work. Yeah, it's funny because I was having this, a similar conversation with one of my friends about like the space that's allowed for women versus allowed that that's allowed for men, uh, particularly from that anxiety standpoint and that that and the fiscal standpoint, right? So the idea, I, I think it was Chris Rock who, who did like a whole thing on it a couple of years back, and it's like, yo, a woman's like, I'm tired of this job and just pick up and leave. And as a man, you're not allowed that bandwidth. You're not allowed that. Like, you're you're stuck. You're frustrated. You know, you're experiencing the same you know anxieties and frustrations, and and sometimes general disgust that your spouse or your female counterparts are feeling in the workplace. But you're not allowed that space to react. You know, and and I, I remember a couple that I knew. Damn, we're going back almost twenty years, and I remember the husband had that experience where he was working in a corporate setting and felt overlooked and felt frustrated and felt like, you know, he wasn't making any headway and he quit the job. And he was like, you know, listen, we can make it by for a little while until I find something new. You're still working, you know, but I, I can't, I can't deal with this. Like, I, I just can't deal with the pressure that's on me in this place. I will find something else, but I can't deal with this. And that was the the end of their marriage. Like she was just absolutely. I can't believe that he would leave his job. I can't believe that he would walk away. And you know, and I I can't remember if they had their son or they were expecting a son. It was looked at that he was less of a man. And I'm not gonna lie. I remember watching him go through the scenario. I could never like pick up and just leave a situation without another place to go. And I remember, and, and I absolutely looked at him sideways when he did that. You had but no sympathy for him. You're saying I had no sympathy for him in that situation, admittedly. You know, but then I also look at situations where I've been where, you know, I've been through three layoffs in my career. Ain't nobody had no sympathy for you. Nobody had no sympathy for me. <laughs> Shit. My, my, my ex-wife left me while I was unemployed, and my dad was you know, terminal with cancer. You know what I'm saying? So it was like I had to suck it up and figure shit out, which is horrible. It's a horrible place to be, but it's the reality of being a man. The narrative is that the spaces and support for men are completely different. So the narrative is when daddy does the heavy lifting, he's just supposed to. And it doesn't matter if daddy is doing the heavy lifting in the same household as mommy or apart from you. You're just doing what the hell you're supposed to do. But, right? I'm, not, but, 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 but I'm, I'm focused on the mindset here. Right. How and that, and that, that narrative, that narrative, the narrative is a, is, become you're a man, you because, should. And because you the, should. Narrative, the narrative has come from millennia of programming. Thousands okay. upon thousands but, of years I'm not of arguing programming. Yeah. I'm not arguing well, in my situation, I never wanted to ask him or even be in a situation to take him to court. Right. Uh, I, it was my family and my friends and even his friends that kept telling me, you're working literally two jobs, you're working on the weekends, and you're not even getting a chance to spend the time with your son because you're trying to pay this $825 in childcare. So I, before I even filed the court documents, um, I reached out to him and was just like, they went up on childcare. 
can we figure out something? Can we go half? His response was, well, I have something going on right now. I don't know if I could do half, but maybe two. I was just excited that he said two. And that turned into it never happened. So I had this fear that if I filed for child support, I think I had this false narrative that, again, I didn't want to go into that stereotype of here's the single mama taking somebody to court. I didn't want him to have this idea that I wanted or was after his money. I didn't want to be that that stereotype. I wanted for Eagle's sake, I wanted to prove like, well, if he needs anything, I got it. And I'm not going to ask anybody for help. And if so, I got to work three jobs, so, so, I'm going to work so, three jobs. So, so I love you for that, right? I love you for that. But it makes me angry when we stay away from what's rightfully ours because of stereotypes, right? You didn't want to fit within that stereotype. So you stayed away from something that is rightfully yours. It's like, I keep my hands in my pockets when I'm on the elevator standing behind um, a white woman with a pocketbook because I don't want her to think that I'm going to snatch her pocketbook. Or, you know, I don't wear certain clothes, you know, in certain neighborhoods. I'm not my authentic self. Self. I'm afraid to be part of a stereotype. But with all of that, right, we have to have been at this for a little while. And we want to get to and talk about what you're doing before we close out, right? So yay, points and talk about the work that you're doing, um, you know, before uh, you know we close out. But you should go ahead. So I start, started. There was her only, um, and originally the goal was to just kind of blog and be transparent and reach out to people. And in the last year, it's turned into something else. So now. Um, as I'm creating her and developing her, the goal is for it to be a nonprofit so that I can go out in the community and create resources. So one of the things I did that really affected me was when George Floyd was um, crying out to his mother. So I wanted to do something that was powerful with just mothers. Um, and it was amazing because I had close to 300 people in 10 days join me. And we did a walk to honor mothers who have lost their children to police brutality. Formal name of the event? Answer the Cry. That is a wonderful name. If I just, if I just took the time to think about it, that is a wonderful name. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Keep going. No, no, no. Thank you. Um, but I was surprised. Think, sorry again. Did you think that name up? Yeah. You are a son of a gun. Go ahead. Keep going. Thank you. I appreciate your existence as well, David. <laughs> um, but when I did it, I just did it with the intent that there were a lot of people that had mixed emotions. Nobody really understood what they were seeing on TV with the riots. I knew a lot of moms felt helpless, like I felt helpless. And I wanted to create a format where people could feel safe and still walk, march, sit in your car during COVID. So I came up with the idea. I had an expectation of 20 to 50 people coming. And then we had 300 or so people that actually showed up. And that was very emotional, but it 
reconfirmed my direction and my path. So currently right now, I'm just working on a food drive and my goal is to feed 300 people, put resources physically in their hands that are tangible that they can use. Where can people find that in order to support and contribute? You can find me on Instagram at there was her and that is T H E R E W A S underscore H E R. You can also email me at answerthecry2020 at gmail. That's A N S W E R T H E C R Y 2020 at gmail. And for my latest project, you can visit the website at www.mstattletale.com. And I can definitely see you running for school or city council. <laughs> and if I lived out there, I would vote for you. But, um, Thank you. I appreciate your future endorsement. So I want to give you the That's opportunity awesome. uh, for, you know, some final thoughts. Um, my final th thoughts are, I know we spent a lot of time actually talking about, you know, the disconnect and how a lot of men are not able to express themselves or they're not viewed the same way as single moms. I created the platform for single moms because I believe that we do need the additional help. If I didn't have my village, I would not be in the in this position right now. So everybody needs help. And I just want people as a whole to be mindful of what you're putting out and why you're doing the things that you're doing. Are you doing these things because you believe these things to be true? Is it your upbringing? Is it what you saw on TV? How do you form the ideas that you have? And really taking accountability I had an interesting conversation with one of my followers and we were kind of talking about the whole Kanye West situation. And the reality is for years, I struggled with depression and, and feeling a certain way. And I had to put push past what other people thought and even what I thought that was to deciding I'm going to seek all avenues to get help. So it's very important that you do self-care, but self-care isn't always appearance. You know, I can make nails and jewelry and make things to make you look beautiful on the inside, but they have no value and no, no weight if you're broken on the inside. So be kind to other people. It's really simple. Just treat people the same way you want to be treated. We want compassion, we want understanding, we want people to be patient with us. So we need to give that to others, but really own that for ourselves. I love you. I, I love you too, David. I appreciate you. And, I appreciate uh, your existence too. Yes, and um, this has been great. So uh, we need to wrap up. Uh, Clark, anything else? You know, same thing as we always say, ladies, gentlemen, and consenting adults, thank you so much for joining us for an amazing episode with Miss Maya. Maya, thank you for sharing your experiences. Thank you for the powerful work you're doing in your community. Oh. You know, and you know, it is my hope and my prayer and my desire that you know it's an inspiration of people to do the same, to pick up the ball and run in their own communities and have an impact. Maya, keep fighting the good fight.
Thank you. I appreciate you guys for having this platform to help many and for actually using your platform today to try to help me as well. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. David, anything from you? Uh, single dad, why you mad? Single dad, why you mad? Single dad, why you mad? Single dad, why are you mad? Single dad, why 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 you mad?